I am light. I am oxygen. I am energy. I am life. Feel the way its truth resonates with your inner consciousness. Feel it. Beyond being a vessel of energy or just the body you have, you are the living essence of the universe. Hi everyone, it's Allie with Awakening with Allie. And if you're here, you have awakened to something and that's why you're here on this journey with me. I have such an incredible guest with me today. I have Dr. Michael K. Turner. And before I bring him on, I want to share a little bit about him with you guys. So Dr. Michael K. Turner is an integrative medicine physician and men's health specialist based in the Tri-Cities of Washington. He's called genuine, caring, and the best doctor in the world by patients. And he brings a high degree of empathy, trademark, optimism, and in-depth expertise to his practice, providing world-class health wellness advice on topics that include holistic COVID care, chronic illness. He harnesses modern developments in medicine to bring patients the best care possible via in-office or telehealth appointment options. He earned his undergraduate degree at Stanford University, and he went on to earn his doctor of medicine from Harvard Medical School. And I could say so many things, guys, but the really cool thing about him is that not only is he all about the holistic care and really getting into the real root of DNA and why things and all of that, um, he's also one of the nation's few male doctors with an in-depth knowledge of chronic illnesses like chronic fatigue syndrome, CFS, Epstein-Barr virus, EBV, Hashimoto's disease, Cushing's disease, and COVID-19 long-haul effects. So his journey into that complex world of these you know, invisible conditions often overlooked or misdiagnosed, began when his actual wife received a diagnosis. And we will go into that um, as we share uh, Dr. Michael Turner's journey. So thank you so much for being here, Dr. Michael Turner. So happy to have you. And I'm looking forward to getting to learn from you and have you share further with my audience. Absolutely. Thank you, Ali. Glad to be here and excited for the opportunity. Yeah, you're so welcome. So like I said, when I started the show, you know, this show really is um, about my own awakening and my own uh, spiritual journey within that. But so many that find this show and that feel drawn to this have had their own awakening in their life. And it certainly sounds like, you know, you have as well, especially in your own wife's story. So why don't you tell us a little bit more um, about you? And then maybe you can start kind of from there and, um, you know, how you came into the holistic space, you know, so much, because I know we all know, you know, here that it's a very um, controversial space when it shouldn't be. Um, And it's a very, you know, um, different type of path to take, especially someone like you who really um, comes from, you know, such a medical background and everything. So why don't we start there and I'll let you share your story. Yeah, sure. Great question. Well, you know, pivotal event for me from my childhood was taking health class in high school, right? So I was just a regular sophomore, 10th grade, nothing really special about it. We're in health class, but I remember really being fascinated by what our teacher was sharing. And he had us do some things like write down everything we ate in a day, okay? And write down how many grams of sugar, grams of fat, that kind of thing. And so that was eye-opening for me, right? I was like, wow, I, you know, I have a chocolate candy bar every recess, you know, that's two or three of those a day and some chocolate milk at lunch and, you know, some Fruit Loops, you know, for bedtime snack and all this. 
right? So I was always an athletic kid and I was always physically gifted with sports, but I was also chubby and I had some terrible eating habits, let's just say, right? And I wore husky sized clothing. I don't know if they, you know, still have that these days, but that was a polite way of saying your kid's chubby, okay? He wears husky clothes, right? So I was wearing husky clothes. And uh, so the health class really started opening my eyes to some things. Right around the same time, I inherited a weight bench from my grandfather. Okay, so this was an old Joe Weider weight bench from the 60s with like molded plastic on it. And it was dusty and gross and it was cracking. And it had some plastic preformed weights that were cracking and all that, right? But that was mine, you know, and I put that thing in the garage and I was lifting weights. And so it was my health class and it was my new Joe Weider weight bench. And then, you know, of course, I was in high school and I wanted to impress the girls a little bit and get a little bit of a physique together. So I start my training. And so then uh, I started asking myself some very simple questions like, well, you know, how how often should I be lifting weights? Like what's too much training? What's too little? How many grams of protein should I be eating? How much sleep should I be getting? Should I make a shake right afterwards? Should I put a banana in my shake? Do I need potassium? How much potassium do I need, right? And so all these questions start to snowball. Um, I started running a lot. And then interestingly, I kind of had a little bit of a crisis where in retrospect, looking back on it now, I would say I developed an eating disorder. To be completely, frankly honest, I would say at this point, it was a male eating disorder that I developed. And again, those terms weren't so common back then and very stigmatized for, you know, a teenage boy to admit that he's got an eating disorder. But I started running. I lost so much weight. I got so rigorous about reading labels, every single thing. My, my mom started to get very aggravated by it. And I would eat, this was back in the low fat is king day concepts, like the late eighties. Okay. Late eighties, early nineties. So I would eat nothing that had fat in it, like zero. Uh, and so I was eating like beans, oatmeal, tuna. That's it. And mom would try to give me a cookie. I was like, no, no cookie. I remember I, I went to Christmas at the grandparents' house with aunts and uncles and everything. And my one uncle, his Christmas present to me was like six cans of tuna. Cause he goes, I know this is the only thing you eat. You're not going to throw a fit about it. You're probably pretty excited. I was like, you're right. This is the best present I got all Christmas, six cans of tuna. So I, I, I was running. I lost too much weight at one point. I remember my mom's friend at the bank's like, is something wrong with your kid? He looks like he's thin, you know, he's looking too thin. So I kind of went through that as well. So, you know, a point of, of interest there, we can talk about that later, but this launched me into my personal health and wellness journey. And I carried that with me when I hit uh, medical school, for example. So although I was at Harvard and, you know, being very traditionally trained, um, I was that guy who had supplements, you know, in my uh, little pocket of my scrubs, right? And I was like taking, you know, my zinc, my selenium, my ashwagandha, you know, whatever, I'm taking supplements. I was the guy who I'd be in there on call overnight and I'm like doing yoga poses, okay, in my scrubs, you know? And uh, that kind of thing. So I carried that with me and I never saw conflict in it, right? I mean, my commitment is to the patient. My, my answer and my commitment is to bring the best possible solution that's effective, that's cost effective, that's safe, right? To you as my patient. And it doesn't matter if it's an herb from some tree in Africa, you know, or um, this great medication that may have just been developed or found to be useful, like ivermectin, for example, for COVID, or the best suggestion, maybe you really need to go talk to a cardiologist right now, because this is serious. Like, I don't care what the best suggestion is, I'm open to it all. And my job is to provide that best thing for the patient. So uh, what I do in health and wellness today feels very natural. It's an outgrowth of who I am. It's me being healthy uh, with this sort of overachiever and overemphasis mentality at times dating back to teenage years, uh, combined also with a lot of interest in education, because uh, little known fact, before I went to med school, I was actually, I took three years off. And so I was a school teacher for two of those years. And so that was very inf 
uh, informative for me. I have a passion for explaining concepts, motivating, encouraging, that kind of thing as well. So that's, that's where it came together for me. Wow, that's amazing and such a powerful story. And I really appreciate, you know, that you kind of took us back to your childhood and how, you know, we first off, you were super honest and vulnerable about like, hey, I used to, you know, be sitting there eating, you know, the Fruit Loops and the Reese's and all these things. And, you know, and then kind of started realizing like what the food was doing to your body, right? Because I think in this time, especially as we're kind of all awakening to all different things, we're realizing more and more how food really is medicine, how, you know, we have so much access in our natural world that we're not necessarily tapping into, or we've been kind of, um, in my opinion, um, had other things pushed in front of us that, you know, more superior when we've had the natural in front of us all along. And I love that you shared in your story that kind of in your own health journey, as you, you know, try different things and I would see how you felt. And then of course, like most of us, I think in different ways, we go through different extremes. And like you said, you had, you know, an eating disorder or something, you know, around that, um, you know, go on because you were really trying to navigate and figure out what that looked like. And then coming into your medical space, I love that you're like, oh, I'd you know, in my pocket and, you know, all this stuff. And you're like, Hey, you know, and, and I, and I appreciate that you said you, you know, you didn't find any conflict in that because you're like, well, Hey, I'm here. Yeah. I'm studying what I'm learning, you know, in the, you know, system of medical and everything, but I also know like what I know and the research I've done and I'm finding the best ways for, you know, my patients, like that's my job. And I feel like that's what we're dealing with right now. That's so, um, scary and sad in this world and the censorship is like we have all this information but for whatever reason it's being censored from people like you mentioned of ivermectin and things like that it's like oh no no no, don't take that you know that that, that, that doesn't work or you know gq or all these things mm-hmm. and it's like well, I personally took you know hq you know what I mean I know plenty of people took ivermectin and you know and it's so fascinating to meet someone like yourself who's like no, like I was already, you know, kind of in this space before COVID and all this stuff came into play. I was already, you know, into supplements, into herbs, looking at the best possible, you know, holistic solutions, um, you know, if that's what was able to be used. And for whatever reason, you know, in our society right now, it's very looked upon as, you know, crazy. And, and why would you do that? And, you know, what, you know, and so I guess I'm curious in your own journey, like, as you know, you've been in the wellness space for quite some time. And obviously this you know, whole kind of COVID era has been newer for all of us, for you being in this space and then being in the holistic space that you've been in, was it mm-hmm. weird for you to kind of see um, the medical system around you and, and you'd also been trained in uh, push away from this and against this? Yes, that was surprising. That was surprising. So <clears throat> moving into COVID uh, in some senses was nothing much new for me personally, Right. So I had been doing holistic integrative medicine for a while and I've been treating fibromyalgia, for example, chronic fatigue, adrenal problems, thyroid problems, all of that for a while. So COVID and long COVID overlaps with those symptoms to a high degree, as you might imagine. So that wasn't so new for me. But as you said, to see the reaction from the medical community and just the public at large and media and censorship and the CDC and, you know, all of this was uh, was quite unexpected, quite dramatic for me, you know, quite troubling. Um, we can go into that, but, you know, <clears throat> I think there were, there were a couple of, you know, they talk about the perfect storm, right? There were a couple of events that corresponded to create a perfect storm here, right? So one of them was the enthusiasm and need to develop a vaccine. Understandable, 
right? We were in the dark days of COVID. There was no hope on the horizon. New York was overflowing with patients, right? Nobody knew what to do. And it was like, we're putting our eggs in this basket of fast tracking the vaccine. And it's the new, you know, Manhattan project. And we're going to roll this thing out and it's going to save society. And I'm like, okay, great. If it can, you know, let's do that. So with all due enthusiasm, I was waiting, optimistic, hopeful, right? The vaccine came out. I lined up. I got two Pfizer's. I was like, hey, this is great. Some fan, you know, new technology. I'm sure someone looked over this appropriately, did the research. Sounds like this is going to be helpful. Let's do this, right? And of course, the, the government had an overriding interest in promoting that. The problem was, though, as you know, Ali, uh, since then, there's been more information to come out about these vaccines, right? Um, and there, it's not as rosy as it looked at first, right? There's a there's a definitely a pro and a con and a definite risk benefit ratio that's there. It's not a slam dunk, overwhelmingly positive option for all people all the time by any means. And uh, well, fine, you know, from an individual perspective as a medical provider, hey, okay, we got this thing. We thought it was great. Maybe now it's not so great. Let's figure out if it's great for you, ma'am or sir, and figure out does that serve you or not. But we can't even have that discussion now because if we talk about anything on the con side of the ledger, just say that's encouraging vaccine hesitancy, which is currently a thought crime, you know, uh, in the medical community and in the public dialogue, you know. So anything that is encouraging vaccine hesitancy is is must be censored and stopped and silenced. And that's just terrible. I mean, in my mind, I mean, whatever happened to informed consent, you know, uh, whatever happened to, I mean, anything's got some pros and cons to it. I mean, whatever happened to letting an adult make a decision for him or herself about what's in their best interest based on facts and information. And where did that go? You know, and if the vaccines are so great, then can't they stand up to a little scrutiny, right? Can't they stand up to a little honest dialogue back and forth? I mean, if I came out and I said, cardiothoracic surgery is amazing for curing your three vessel heart disease, you know, and if it's so amazing, can it and this is some scientific scrutiny. That's what we do in medical and scientific meetings all the time. It's all about debate, dialogue, engagement, skepticism. That's how you move on towards higher and better levels of truth, scientifically defined, right? But that's all been short-circuited and, uh, you know, straight-jacketed, as you've seen here. So that's been very concerning. Um, and, you know, the reason is, you know, the, 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 the push on the vaccine is seen as being the public health salvation. It's like everyone had to get on that train. And everything that was not on that train was was sidelined. And that included things like early COVID treatment, which therefore got swept up with ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, and like all this other stuff that was all just seen as extraneous and possibly off topic and off topic talking point and, and possibly encouraging vaccine hesitancy. So we just must ignore it. And that's a shame. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I appreciate you sharing, you know, that, you know, you, when it, you know, first hit, you were like, all right, well, you know, roll up my sleeve and go get it. And I think a lot of people, you know, had uh, that reaction, obviously. Um, and, you know, I think what's really upsetting, like you said, is that after it all kind of played out and, you know, adverse reactions and deaths and all these different things, you know, were being shown, like you said, it wasn't all of a sudden this, you know, rosy, like rainbow, hey, yeah, this is, you know, the thing to do, maybe not for everyone, you know, and maybe for people that, you know, might have, you know, a certain other, you know, illness or something with fertility yes. or whatever it may be. And somehow yes. we're, we're shutting that and we're shutting that down and not letting those conversations not only be heard, but anyone who's giving that information is a conspiracy theorist, anyone who's sharing something against, you know, like you said, you know, what the government's, you know, essentially agenda is what the CDC is trying to push out there, all these things. And I really appreciate you said like, Hey, when we talk about real science, 
that means that there's debates, that means that there's healthy questioning, that means there's skepticism, that means because we know that science changes, we know things evolve, we know, you know, we know this over time, and somehow that idea has gone out the window with this, and it, and it's almost like this is the first time we've ever seen that. Correct, right, that's what's noticeable and true and shocking. I've never seen a medical procedure, as I said, become so uh, codified and so much dogmatism around it and so much squelching of dissent around it just amplified to a degree that I've never seen. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's kind of wild. I mean, I'm curious for you, like, you know, looking at it from your perspective, from a holistic perspective, because, you know, you very much are in that holistic wellness space, but then also, you know, we're trained in the much more, you know, I don't want to say higher society, but you know, the top medical space of everything, like, how do you feel looking at this from you know your standpoint of like what like what's going on why is there such a disconnect in this and and in your opinion you know like where where do we go from here because there are so many people like who even have said to me like you know if I had known what I would have known I probably wouldn't have gone and gotten it and now I'm actually a little concerned that this is in my body or I don't want to be boosted Mm -hmm. because I don't like what I've learned now about you know doing Mm -hmm. the vax or whatever it may be you know or friends of mine who have said to me well I was so scared to take ivermectin but now I'm like oh well, it sounds like most people that that was the right decision to do, you know, and, and so I'm curious, you know, from your mm-hmm. standpoint, especially when you talk, so talk about, you know, COVID long haul, which obviously a lot of people have, you know, what, what do you think the answers are, at least from, from, you know, from your perspective and like what you're doing, you know, in the wellness space and, and all the things that you tap into holistically? Yeah, great point. Well, I would say the first answer is let's just talk about getting our immune systems healthy, right? Let's just talk about, you know, a positive agenda of building a foundation of a strong and healthy and vibrant immune system, right? That's, uh, that can be done every day. It's got no side effects. It's not controversial. It may just be underpublicized, but we can all start there. So when I talk to people, I talk about that. Let's talk about sleep, for example, right? So the effect between sleep and your immune system is quite profound, quite notable. Um, There was a very famous study done where they took people who were perfectly healthy and perfectly well-rested, okay? And just for one night, they restricted them to four hours of sleep, okay? And they drew their blood, they isolated their white blood cells, and one of the most important white blood cells is called the natural killer cell, NK, natural killer cell. They isolated the natural killer cells, and they bombarded them with different kinds of viruses and bacteria to test how active they were, essentially. And after just one night of four hours restricted sleep, Allie, the natural killer cell activity dropped off 30%, okay? 30%. And so you can imagine what a week of poor sleep would do, right? Or a month or a lifestyle. And the answer is your immune system is just kind of slowly doing this. It's just running down. And I tell my patients, like, you may be running on a 25% immune system, ma'am, because your body's not getting enough sleep and it hasn't been for years. Um, I I have uh, my my former wife and someone who still works for me in the company um, had stories that she shared with me over time where... She came down with cancer very seriously uh, in her 20s. And at the time, she was a single mom. She was going to school. She was working a couple jobs. She was getting by on three to four hours of sleep a night. And this went on for several years. And she's talking to the doctor about it. He told her flat out, it's because you're not getting any sleep. The reason you have such early and aggressive cancer is you're getting no sleep and you've got to make some changes in your life. And she did. She made some dramatic changes at that point. <clears throat> so... Uh, Similarly, if you actually do get sick, 
it's imperative that you get extra amounts of sleep. This is why, for example, it's natural to feel sick and tired, right? We don't just feel sick, we feel sick and tired. And that's natural. Your body's trying to send you a message, trying to say, hey, put me to sleep. Because it turns out that when you're asleep, that's mainly when your body's fighting the infection, all right? It's not mainly when you're awake, it's mainly when you're asleep. When you're asleep, your bone marrow is literally creating new cells, pumping them out into circulation, new antibodies, new white blood cells, for example, and fighting that infection actively. But it's creating those new cells mainly when you're asleep, not mainly when you're awake. You can think of it almost like a growth spurt, right? So a child grows mainly when they're sleeping, not when they're awake. It's the same idea. When you're sick, you need an immune system growth spurt, essentially. And that happens when you're sleeping. So I've had, for example, COVID patients or long haul patients come to me and like, I'm just tired all the time. I'm taking all these naps. I'm like, great, fantastic. Don't stop. I mean, what's the problem? You know, I'm like, oh, well, I just feel tired. I'm like, no, here's the deal. We got to change your mindset. I said, I want you feeling emotionally excited about going to bed. When you are sick and your head hits the pillow, I want you to get emotionally excited because you're thinking I'm about to put my immune system into top gear. I'm about to get serious about fighting this infection. This is a great thing, right? And so we had to change people's mindset a little bit. We're so much into productivity and efficiency, getting things done. We don't take care of ourselves sometimes appropriately, right? So sleep is huge for the immune system. Exercise is huge for the immune system. I mean, exercise is good for everything. But a quick anecdote on that is that uh, when you exercise, if I drew your blood before and after, after you did 20 minutes of cardio, let's say, we would actually document higher circulating levels of white blood cells. Okay, they actually go up after you exercise. And the reason is they're typically, in many cases, kind of just sitting in circulation on the periphery of our blood vessels or in our uh lymph organs and lymph nodes and spleen and things like that. But once you're actively exercising, they come out of the periphery freely floating into circulation, which is of course where we want them to be, right? Uh, a good word, uh, visual picture would be like, say, police cars on patrol, right? You don't want them all just sitting on the, in the station. You want them out circulating in traffic, doing what they're supposed to do. Same idea. Uh, and then finally, of course, there are tremendous effects from food. You talked about food and food is medicine. I think you mentioned earlier and certain foods are known to be highly stimulatory for the immune system, right? Garlic, mushroom extracts, um, green vegetables, obviously. And so just some simple dietary changes, cutting back on sugar and pumping up some of those things that I just mentioned can put your immune system in a completely different state. So we don't necessarily need to be overly concerned about what the next thing is, whether it's a flu, a COVID, a sniffles, uh, like whatever it is, we need a strong immune system against it. And thankfully, there's a whole lot that we can do on a daily basis, just on those three simple ways. Uh, to get Yeah, I love that you brought that up. And, and, you know, another part of what, you know, we were talking about too, which I found, you know, for me personally, have found very concerning is that's another thing that's been kind of suppressed and kind of also shut down is like the idea of building your immune system, the idea that you should take, you know, zinc, that you can take supplements, like that's also been downplayed right now of like oh the, you know that that's you know not gonna help and you know that like they don't want to focus on that and they don't want to tell people you know and and, and I, in my mind I'm like okay no one's saying this is like a fast fix this is like a fast cure but like you said if you take care of your body and treat your vessel like a sacred mm-hmm. vessel that it is and you know yes. continue to give yourself those vitamins and those supplements and do those things and make those changes daily it's going to change your immune system, like you said. And that is, you're right, no matter what, whether it is COVID or another variant or whatever it comes in the future, like that's what needs to be essentially lined up, good to go, so that you can withstand much more of, you know, whatever comes versus, oh, every single time running out and thinking you need to maybe put something in your body that you're not so sure about. 
Yes, agreed, Ali. It's more of a prevention mindset. It's more about being proactive, right? It's more about um, putting yourself in the best possible state of health and continuing and staying there and living in that space on a daily basis, you know, um, keeping yourself up. And there's a lot that you can do. It's a very empowering message in the end, right? It's like, you don't need Merck to come up with some fancy new medicine, you know, uh, you, you, you know, you can take some zinc, some selenium, some NAC, some turmeric, some melatonin, you can get great sleep every night, you can do 20 minutes of cardio a day, you know, and you can reduce stress in your life and have good relationships and get your spirituality going and like, all of this stuff you're and you're we can document that you can take your immune system from a zero to a 10, just on doing all of that stuff. You know, people, as you said, don't either know or don't know that it can be so impactful, right? Because one or both of those messages isn't always clearly portrayed to people. Yeah, I mean, so well said. And to me, that's kind of part of this awakening, you know, in our world right now, where people Mm -hmm. are realizing, like you were just saying, how impactful these steps can be, how, you know, empowered we actually can be as individuals in what we do with our lives every day, and how we essentially like, take our power back in our lives and say, Oh, like you said, I'm not going to worry about being on, you know, defense, I'm gonna do things preventatively, I'm gonna get things set up so that I'm in the most optimal position and, you know, and and be able to, you know, handle things. And, And like you said, making those changes all around mind, body, soul is going to make a huge difference. I mean, I've seen that in my own life over the last few years. And I look at, you know, how I was and how I am now. And I'm like, oh my God, it's like night and day. And it wasn't overnight, but making those changes, as you said, in those shifts, you know, really made a massive difference and continue to. It's now just been a ripple effect in my life of all the things I just keep doing now and feeling good. So I'm like, oh, I want more of that. I want to do more of that, you know? And, you you know, and I think that's the, that's the difference too. And, and, and then people having, like you said, that way to feel um, impactful, which I'm sure in your own experience, like you were saying from when you were, you know, a kid to, you know, when you became a doctor, like realizing like all these switches that you had made, what it did for you, you know, in, in your life and adding those simple supplements and herbs and things that are just like in, you know, in your pocket that, you know, you know, you take and are part of, you know, your toolkit and everything I think is huge, you know, and, and I think the conversations around it are even more impactful, especially now of like getting out of the fear state, getting out of the constant, this is, you only have this one option. This is the only thing and saying, no, let's, let's have a conversation around this. And let's figure out, like you said, of what works for you, what's going to work on your individual level, what makes sense, what are you going to look at? And really going into, like you said, you know, the DNA, you know, the blood, the, all the things about you and not just putting everyone in this one box and saying, check off that box and then we're good because we know we're not all the same. Yes, indeed. Yes, um, we need to know ourselves and we need to start to roll out those health changes and uh, we need some guidance on that many times. Of course, we need some encouragement, inspiration, motivation, help from a spouse, significant other, best friend, whatever, make some healthy changes. Um, but it's, it's possible and it feels good. As you said, it starts to positively cycle, right? It's like, God, I didn't know I could feel this good. Like, what else could I possibly be doing? Or like, oh my gosh, I feel even better. This is, this is great, you know? And I'm kind of overachiever. I'm, I'm a perfectionist. Uh, and this is not always a good thing. I'm not defending it by any means, but... I am obsessed with a question of what would it look like and what would it feel like actually to be as healthy as I could possibly be, right? I'm not trying to be as healthy as someone else is. I'm not, I'm 46 years old. I'm not trying to be as healthy as my 26 year old self. I can't be that. I'm not trying to be the same as somebody else at the gym. No, but for Dr. Michael K. Turner, right? 
in his 46-year-old body, what would it feel like to be as healthy as he could possibly be? Am I there yet? Am I not there yet? If I'm not, what do I need to do to get there, right? That's a thought that motivates me every day. And if I read about something like, oh, let's put some blueberries in my smoothie because, you know, blueberries are great for the brain. There's research behind that, right? Or let's put some cinnamon in there because cinnamon lowers blood sugar. It's an alternative to insulin. By the way, I've had people take their blood sugars from the 300s to the 100s just on cinnamon. They're like, oh, I can't afford my insulin. I don't, you know, I don't want to go on insulin, all that stuff. You get them on the right amount of cinnamon, the blood sugar will come down. That's wow. well, well researched. Oh, yeah. That's amazing. That's, yes. Step one of people having blood sugar problems is start taking some cinnamon. It could be as simple as a teaspoon a day, you know, in your tea, scoop it up, put it on some oatmeal, whatever. One or two teaspoons. Yeah. If you want a whole bunch of reading, I encourage your listeners to do a Google search on cinnamon and blood sugar. It's very research-based, outstanding option. Um but yeah, we start to roll out these, these, you know, baby steps, let's just say, and it feeds back on itself. It's, it's a positive circle, virtuous circle, basically, that starts to get going, you know, and it feels good. And it's health is your greatest asset at the end of the day, right? Really? I mean, if you don't have your health, what do you have, right? You could have all the money in the bank, you could have all the professional respect, you could be uber famous, you know, friends could when we want to invite you fancy places like all of this. But if you're in bed, laid up sick, what good is it? Right? Yeah. So, so I, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I think it, it all behooves us to give a little more thought to what are we going to do about our greatest asset and our greatest investment that we'll ever make, which is our own health and well-being, you know, I love that. and it's multi. Yeah. 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 You're experiencing that, you know, sounds like obviously you've made some changes over the couple of years in your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, for me, it started more in the spiritual space of meditation and breath work and finding those different practices that really helped me work for me. And then that was kind of the lead in, you know, into then supplements and different things in the holistic space and realizing how much I could be doing on a regular basis with just, you know, vitamins and wellness of feeling good. And then adding in all the, you know, spiritual work and everything else that was like, oh, wow, I really, you know, and then all of a sudden realizing that, you know, exercise, even though it's something I never really loved, it was something that I realized like, oh, but I actually feel good, you know, when I do this and it does help, you know, enhance and change. And, and, you know, and that's what I think, like you said, like, is so important when you start to dive into like, oh, how does this feel? I feel good. It, it starts to shift everything in your mindset shift. And you were saying too about sleep. I think that's such a good point is like, you know, we're on this rat race of like, get this done, be productive, make this happen. And I've totally been there and continuously catching myself in that and being like, Oh, nope, I need to be present. I need to slow down, you know? And, and I think we're all kind of programmed that way. And how you were saying like, no honoring rest, honoring sleep and seeing it differently and having a mindset shift of like, Oh, I'm craving sleep. Oh, because my body needs this. Oh, because like, this is good for me that that's an emotional feeling that you were talking about and that connection. You know, and I think that's also part of people's awakenings is understanding how, you know, in our DNA, like how the emotional is so attached to everything else. And it really isn't separate at all. Everything is together. Absolutely. Just to give you a couple uh, ideas that came to mind as you're talking there. So a lot of times patients will work with me and they'll, they'll be anxious, right? They're, they're fretting about the state of the world for good reason. And they're just doc, I'm so anxious to just bog down, you know, my, my thoughts are racing. I'm so frustrated, that kind of thing. Um, <clears throat> and here's what I'll tell them. I'll tell them one of my first antidotes for that is breath work. It's proper breathing techniques. Okay. I was like, this is better than Xanax. Uh, it's, it's more straightforward. 
It's immediate. It's potent. You don't need a prescription. It's got no side effects. Okay. You got to get your breath work right. So here's, here's how I describe it. It turns out that um, our inner emotional states are connected directly, are hardwired to three-dimensional physical expressions. Okay. We, we all know this. So for example, a sufficiently happy inner emotional state is going to react in a smile, right? Um, if our inner emotional state is anger, our brow is going to furrow, our muscles will tense, etc. All right. What's interesting is you can reverse engineer that, okay? Because it's hardwired and it's directly connected, you can take the three-dimensional emotional, uh, rather three-dimensional physical state and back create the emotion associated with it. For example, if you smile at yourself, if you just look at yourself in the mirror and give yourself the biggest, goofiest smile, right? It's impossible to feel mad at the same time. It's impossible to feel anxious, upset at the same time. Your black cloud may descend the minute you stop smiling at yourself in the mirror. But while you're actually smiling at yourself in the mirror, being goofy and fun like that, it's impossible to feel mad or anything else other than happy. You can, it's fact, you can try and prove it, right? Similarly, um, you know, if you instantly scowl at yourself and clench your fist, you will feel an emotion of anger and tension coming through, right? And there's all these similarly, uh, you know, videos on YouTube and a lot of good information about like body language and posture, right? Like there's certain positions where if you put yourself in that position, your confidence feeling goes up inside, um, you know, with good reason. This is all what we're talking about. So when I talk to my, my clients then I say, so here's what we're going to do, all right? Feeling anxious and tense is associated with certain breathing patterns, but feeling relaxed and calm and placid is also. So we're going to just reverse engineer that. We're going to put the breathing pattern in there and immediately you're going to get a feeling of relaxation and calm in your mind, right? And so this is what we talk about. And there's, you know, many ways to do that, right? Four count breathing and like a bunch of different techniques. But the fact is, just like if you smile at yourself goofy, you can't feel anything but happy in that moment. If you breathe in the right way, you cannot feel anything but relax pretty instantaneously. And it can be life-changing for a lot of people. I love that you're tapped into that because I got certified in breath work last year because I felt so oh. called to that space and facilitating that for others and seeing such a change in my life and what it did for me that I was like, oh my gosh, this is literally like your breath is your drug in like the best way possible. Like, you know, like I have to like right. show this and, and share this and not just like be tapped into it just for myself, you know, because for me, it was like meditation saved my life in many ways after I went through my postpartum depression and all those different things that I went through in my life. And then after finding myself again and, and, and healing myself, breath work was saying, you know, I, I felt like breath work was the next level for me. Like after meditation, I truly realized saved my life and I'd gone through so much mm. breath work was that next level of like, wow. And breath work, when I, you know, first really got into it was in the height of 2020, when I was pregnant with my second daughter, the world was spinning. There was so much happening. No one really knew what was going on. And I was like, oh my gosh, I cannot handle like what is happening. Like most people. And, you know, thank God from doing yeah. so much of my own inner work and tapping into the wellness space beforehand, I was able to realize like, okay, like you said, like I can do this breath work and I can do different practices to not only ground myself, but I love that you said, you know, it literally changes the wiring of, you know, our brain. It literally changes that three-dimensionality of ourselves and lets us tap into that higher consciousness. And I think someone, you know, of, you know, your level and being a doctor and the space you're in, I think it's so powerful that you speak to that because so many, like I've spoken to just, you know, in different communities are like, oh, well, you know, I don't really know much about it. And I don't know how it's just anything. And what you just spoke to of like how there's real science and like 
real changes in the brain and what it does. It's like, that's why it's so magical. Like it literally in just one breathwork session, I've worked with people and seen a transformation, you know, and it's like, and then when you continuously do it daily or weekly or whatever it may be for your own schedule, it's like, it changes your life. Like everything else that we've spoken to. Agreed. It's powerful. You know, and it makes me wonder in in your case, Ali, too, I wonder like how you start your day and how you end your day. And maybe we can talk about that for a second. This is an open question too. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, sure. I love it. This is something that's, that's big. I I ask my patients too, like, well, how do you start your day? I mean, you know, well, I got all this anxiety and it's like, well, sometimes the first thing they do is like they're on their phone or on comes the TV. Right. And that, that immediately not obviously, you know, the media centered around what's sensational, which is typically what's negative and everything that's wrong in the world. Like obviously all of that, but as well, then you're letting somebody else set your agenda, right? You're letting somebody else set your focus, your attention. What's your first emotional state when you start your day, right? The first emotional state is, is it what you ever, the, the newscaster is going to happen to be on at the moment you wake up that streams into your brain, into your subconscious mind. And that sets the tone for the rest of your day, right? Like, no, 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 no. So from a health and wellness viewpoint, one thing I do is I take control of how I start my day and how I end my day, right? A lot of other things could happen. A lot of other things could come in to try to influence my emotions, my subconscious, try to get me off of my, my vibe and perturb me and like whatever, I'll have to deal with it. But at the end of the day, I'm an adult and only I'm in control of how I start and how I end my day. So I set the agenda and I like, you know, I like to do it with some meditation some breath work. I like to look at the window. Frankly, I find some light and I look out the window and I just get connected with God. I think about God and I think about my blessings and I look at the birds and it's like, Hey, new day. Awesome. Love it. God, I love that. Alive. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah no, I, I agree with you. I also love it. You said like, you know, if you start with your phone or you start with whatever the hell is on the news, I tell everyone, I'm like, turn the news off. I turn the news off almost two and a half years ago best decision of my life like there you, you go know, like, good job if it's really happening and i need to know it'll appear on my phone it'll appear somewhere else like Correct. you know it's like i, I don't need to be you know locked in and you know i love that you said that about this like the sensationalism and it's like what's going to get your attention and what's going to be drawing you in and all of these things and it's like sure those things have their place but the way especially like you said of how you start your day and how you end it is massive. And that was the thing I learned in meditation was like, when I started meditating daily, and I started with that, and I ended with that for my morning and night, it changed my, my life dramatically. Like it, it all of a sudden, I was like, Oh, wow, I don't wake up so like anxious, or I don't wake up so like, upset about this, or worried about what didn't get done the day before, whatever it may be, like, you know, every day was obviously a different thought, but it was still a shift of what you're speaking to. And as I did that, I started, you know, journaling more and you know, now, you know, and answer your question, you know, I meditate in the morning and I meditate at night. And then I usually do a breath work at night too, before I go to bed, just depending on sometimes it'll be during the day. Cause sometimes with my kids, I have an almost four-year-old, almost two-year-old. I do breath work with them when they get worked up and when things go on. So my almost four-year-old actually now like actually demands it of me when she has her little meltdown. She's like, let's do breath work. Like she knows that's like, you know, part of her, you know, toolkit and helps her move through her emotions. So a lot of times when I would normally do it by myself, I end up doing it with my daughter, you know, during the day. And then sometimes I'll do it, you know, by myself as well. But those are part of my practices. And they're kind of like my non-negotiables now, you know, and and those are the Mm -hmm. things like in my household, like even my husband will joke in the morning, like, okay, everyone, mom is meditating. Like everyone knows that like, you know, in the morning I'm in my space, you know, I meditate and then I journal like after I meditate. And that's how I start my day. And, you know, years ago, I used to start my day with the phone, checking Instagram, checking my emails, seeing what was going on, answering text messages. 
And it makes sense right. like why you would be so frazzled. It makes sense why you'd be so worked up before you even start. And when you were saying, you know, you start morning with God and you look outside, like I've noticed that in the last year or, or maybe two years for myself, all of a sudden I'm like, oh, it's so pretty outside. Oh, wow. I hear the birds. Like I'm actually present to like what's coming in around me. And I hadn't experienced that before. So, you know, to what you're saying, like those little changes make massive differences and then it ripples into everything else in your life. Yes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I remember on this point, I remember I was uh, so affected when I started learning about the subconscious mind, right, and the power of subconscious mind and what influences we're putting in there. You know, in one way, you can think about it like that song that you listen to that just keeps playing in your mind. It keeps us coming back, right, because it's in there, right? You're, you're trying to fall asleep and there's a song lyric playing in your mind, right? Well, it's, it's, it's the same power of that. And uh I remember, and this is from a Malcolm Gladwell book. You may have heard of him. He's a fairly famous author, right? He's written all these books, which I love the genre because it's kind of scientifically based, but it's with stories and with humor. And he just lays things out so eloquently and in, in such a captivating way, right? So was, this is a quote entirely from Malcolm Gladwell book, but they, um, they had given these volunteers um, a series of words. And um, they were kind of in random order, but one of the one of some of the words had to do with being elderly. So it'd be like um, uh, nursing home, um, cane, right? Um, Florida. They even used the state Florida. I think was one of them, right? And so, and then then they, there were then there were nonsensical words that they mixed in there, like you know, apple juice and sunshine and whatever. Okay, and then. <laughs> Then the other people had some more youthful words mixed in their mix, right? And so they just had them say these words, you know, 10 or 15 of these words. And then they just asked them, they're like, okay, the interview is done. Great. Okay, great. You're dismissed now. And, uh, and then, so the people thought that the, that the whole point of the experiment the interview was to repeat these words, right? How many can you hold in your memory and then repeat back? That wasn't the point, but they told them, okay, the interview's done now. Great. You're all fine. Okay. Thank you, ma'am. So then they walk out and they dismiss them and they walk down the hall, like, 100 feet and exit the building. And that was actually the real experiment, Ali, because what they did is they observed the people walking down the hall as they exited. And the people whose minds were primed with the elderly words walked more stooped and more slowly and kind of in a more deliberative way all the way down the hallway versus the youthful people are basically kind of like skipping down the hallway and head out the building. And (laughs) the point of this there's some pretty, you know, in-depth psychological research is just in a brief few moments of priming their minds, not even to their conscious awareness, but subconsciously with these words, it affected their body language, posture, three-dimensional movement in space, and you could track it on a stopwatch as they headed out the hall from the building. I mean, if that's not striking, I don't know what is, you know, and it's like, what messages are we putting in our minds all day then? And how is that affecting us as we go through our day? Yeah, I love that you shared that. It's so true. And it it goes back to like that programming, right? Of like everything that's around us of like, you know, what are you taking in? What are you allowing to be programmed into? Like you said, that song that keeps repeating, like, what are you allowing to be in that subconscious space? And the more you tap into like, oh, I can change that at any moment. I can, you know, change the things that I absorb. I can change the things that I'm listening to that are giving me anxiety, whatever it may be. All of a sudden, you know, you, you take your own power back in life and you're like, oh, I feel so much better. I mean, that's been like one of my biggest awakenings over the last few years is like, oh my gosh, like those things that used to exist, you know, in my subconscious, like they're gone. Like they're, they, you know, they don't exist anymore. And, and it's like, because of what you spoke to, all the work, you know, you do on yourself and what you, you know, allow in and how you essentially reprogram yourself and what you bring in as your practices yeah. and your wellness space and how you build your body up and all these different things that like, 
those things just don't, they don't exist. And if they come up, you're able to see them for what they are and be like, you know, like I always tell people, I'm like, when something comes up for me, I'm like, I name it, you know, I see it for what it is. And then I feel through mm-hmm. it and then I release it, you know, and, 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 and I shift it, you know, and it's no longer a space of like, oh, this is making me anxious. It's like, okay, let me see this for what it is. And then once right. I can address that, then I can move through it. It no longer has power over me. Yes, exactly. You know, I did yoga for a long time and I still do. It was one of the most helpful practices that I've ever had. Uh, physically, I love it because it does everything good for you physically. You got balance, you got strength, right? You've got flexibility, you've got mindfulness, you've got a little bit of cardio. I mean, it does everything with no equipment and you can do it in, you know, 10 square feet of space, right? So there's no other exercise program that'll do all that for you. So I'm a big fan. And I did hot yoga for a long time. I started off with Bikram yoga actually way back when and uh, rehab myself from so many injuries. It was just amazing. But one of the beautiful things that yoga taught me outside of the breath work, right? And the mindfulness and all that was what you're saying about just being present and just moving through something, right? Because you're in a pose, you're like, oh, this is uncomfortable. Oh, I might fall. But then you're just like, well, this is just a feeling like, yes, it's uncomfortable, but it's not going to last forever. I'm not dying. This is just an uncomfortable feeling. I'm just going to sit here and be uncomfortable for a minute because I know I'm going to be comfortable afterwards. I know this is doing something good for me. So like, instead of always just running from my pain and discomfort and saying, this must end, this must stop. It's uncomfortable. Therefore it's bad, which we condition ourselves towards that. Right. Cause we're just kind of conditioning ourselves towards comfort and instant gratification all day, every day. Let's, let's sit with something uncomfortable for a minute. Right. It's almost like a, like a chess match. Like sit there for a second. Yeah, it's uncomfortable. Make your mind work, wrestle with a little bit. That's not bad. This is good for you as a human being, you know? So I'm sitting like, this is uncomfortable on my hamstrings and my low back right now, but I know it's probably good for me. All right, I'm just going to sit here. And I was like, I might fall. Well, if I fall, I'll just get up. That's all right. Well, that other person's not falling. Well, that's okay. Cause I'm not comparing myself to them anyway. Now am I right? So <laughs> I was like, it made my head do all this good stuff. Just trying to sit there and like survive my one and a half hour Bikram hot yoga class but it was great, you know, and I've cultivated some of those habits moving forward. I love that. And I love that you said that too, of like sitting, essentially, I always say sit in your shit, (laughs) you know, it's like Mm -hmm. you're, you're sitting in it and you're allowing it. And like you said, you're realizing that it's uncomfortable. You're aware that it is, but you're like, okay, this isn't going to kill me. I'm just going to allow this. This is going to help me grow. This is going to challenge me. And I love it. You said that, you know, that you, you experienced that in yoga. I did many years ago, the bigger yoga you're talking about. I remember a hot yoga and being like, oh my God, I can't survive another minute. And then somehow you'd get through the whole thing and you're like, I'm not dead. Okay. You know, it's like, you know, and it, it's true. Right. And anyone who's, you know, listening or watching, yes. you know, knows exactly what we're talking about, but you're right. It's like that yes. bigger message to it of like sitting in it or being in an uncomfortable pose or doing something that doesn't feel comfortable to you or isn't your norm because we get stuck in comfort zones, right? right? We get stuck in being comfort and, and we kind of, uh, in our like monkey mind, tell ourselves, this is where I should be. But that's actually like where you get stuck. That's actually where like you sit in that darkness and you don't know how to get out. And like you said, when you allow yourself to be challenged and you allow yourself to be like, okay, like, I'm learning in this moment or like, okay, I'm, I I don't know what this is doing for me, but it's doing something good for me. There's growth here. Like it's a whole different mindset shift. So I, I love that you shared that. And I think there's so much gold in that. And when you really think about on a much um, higher perspective of what we talk about awakening, awakening to the body of realizing how powerful the body is and allowing the mind and body to work together in the most beautiful way and connecting to yourself. Yes. Uh, and as you're talking, it, it may, you mentioned journaling, right? And so it got me thinking, 
that in the same way that it's okay and it's helpful for us to sit and be uncomfortable physically, right? And work through it and all that. The same thing is is necessary and true emotionally speaking, right? Like really taking an honest inventory of our lives, our relationships, right? What's the quality of our relationships? Like where am I succeeding? Where do I need to work as a human being? You know, when was the last time I I, I got some honest solicited, even some honest feedback from my spouse or a good friend or whatever? It's like, you know, can I do anything better or different in this relationship? How are you feeling? Like all of that. And of course, we react against that because the truth isn't always not as going to be as beautiful as we want to see it to seem, right? And but you know, if we sit there and we'll sit in it for a minute and think about it and journal it and like accept it and be like, well, maybe not everything this person's saying is true, but let me search for any possible grains of truth because if they're there and I embrace them and I make some changes, that's for my benefit, right? Like I can go on, let's say, aggravating and offending everybody and not knowing I'm doing that for the rest of my life, but who's really getting hurt in the final analysis, right? Let me get over my pride for a minute and realize if I'm coming off that way to people, like it behooves me to make some changes, you know? Uh, And so the journaling and the introspection and just like the vulnerability and honest and humility and appraisal of self and that type of thing, hugely important as well for, the emotional side and awakening, as you mentioned, is such a great word to being someone better and different in the world in all of our important relationships. Yeah, no, I, I love that. And, and I love that even coming from you, you know, who is, you know, in the medical space, but of course, also in the holistic, that you see the value in that too, because I think that's so important in the medical world. You know, I feel like so many times, like I know for myself, like I don't go see, you know, a regular doctor, you know, that often because I feel like all they want to do is give me something to take or give me something, you know, that I need to, you know, put in my body because of A, B, and C. And to me, I'm like, but you're not even working on, you know, the mind. You're not talking about preventative like we've talked about. You're not talking about the things that kind of all really resonate for me, you know, that I look at at a much higher level. We're just thinking, oh, here's a quick fix or here's what I can give you. You know, when I went through my postpartum depression, you know, that was the first thing. And look, I don't knock anyone who needs to take stuff when they go through postpartum depression because it was the darkest moment of my life, I think, or one of them. And, you know, but for me, when they were offering me, you know, pills and everything else and were like, take this and take this, something in my heart and my, you know, spirit tugged and was like, "Mm -mm, like, this isn't going to work for you. Like, you know, and I really didn't want, you know, I really didn't want to take them. And, and when I, not only when I chose not to, but I refused them, you know, through my doctor, you know, they were like, oh, well then good luck. You know, it was such a, like a F you, like a shrug off of like, if you're not going to do this, then like, I can't help you, you know, and th- that's such a, so wrong for people who want to find, you know, a good doctor and a good relationship and be able to tap in the things that matter to them. And like you spoke to preventative care and be like, okay, but what else can I do? It's not just like, this is the be all end all or you're screwed, you know, and I feel like a huge part of big pharma has done that to us. It's like either this or not, you know, your choice. I mean, let's be real for the last year we've heard about, you know, if you didn't get you know, the Javax, you know, he was the severe winter of death. And, you know, here we are in the spring, you know, I mean, it's just all these things that, you know, are being told to you that this is the be all end all and nothing else. And you're like, well, there's got to be other options, right? Like, maybe not for every single person, but for mostly people who are healthy, there's got to be other ways. And so, you know, that was one of my things is when I think started really waking up to so much of that was when that was kind of really pushed on me and told me that that was really my only decision. And then being able to heal myself through holistic therapies and meditation and all these different things that changed my world and awakening to so much. Yes. Fantastic. Yeah. I love to hear that. 
there's always more than one way, you know, there's always more than one way to, to some things. And gosh, I feel bad. I just, I have to apologize. I'm part of healthcare profession for a second, you know, that that's so often the vibe that we give off. It's like, oh, well, you know, you're not interested in this. Good luck to you slash shrug off, you know, slash whatever. And it's like, we gotta, we gotta reimagine what our role is, you know, like, we, 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 I think sometimes we, we exalt ourselves. We're kind of up here on the pinnacle. And it's like, well, you make the patient come to me on my terms. And if the patient doesn't want to do what I say, then you cut them off. Like we got to flip that around and put the patient on top and say, my job is to serve this person. Now, my best suggestion may at this point may all things considered may be medicine X, but if the patient says absolutely medicine X not working for me, then it's my job. It's incumbent upon me to come up with the next best answer for this person right? Because they're my patient and my commitment is to help them move forward in health and wellness. And no two people have the exact same path forward, right? So in many, this is the beauty of what I do and why I like it so much. This is an art and a science, right? The science part is, I know I've got to get you to point B, but the art is there's five different ways to do it. And your ways are going to be different than the next person. The next person may jump all over the idea of taking medication X. You know, this other person may really say, no, I don't want to do that. And so I'm always listening to their preferences and what's a no-go for them. And then I was like, okay, I'll serve up something else. And I'll just kind of keep serving it up until we find that connection. It's like, oh, that sounds good, doc. I can do that. Just let's, let's go for that. That's a good option. I'm like, okay, great. Then my, ah, my work is done at that point, you know, but I don't, I don't take a sigh of relief. My work's not done until I've got something palatable served up to the patient. That's going to help them move forward on their health and wellness. Yeah. yeah I, I love work, that you said that. Yeah. And I also love that you said that, you know, like that switch up, right. Of like, you know, like, you know, of course, respectfully. So like you guys are trained in this and experts or anything, but also listening to the patient and knowing that they also know like their own bodies and they know, you know, who they are yeah. and how they feel. And, you know, I feel like that gets over, like overwritten so many times, like, well, you don't know, cause you're not the expert. And it's like, okay, I get that. I didn't go to school, you know, the way you did and all these things. Yeah. I respect that. But at the same time, like you do know your body, you know, you know, your own intuition, yeah. you know, what feels good, you know, what doesn't, what's going to work, what's going to resonate, you know? And so I appreciate you yeah. said, you know, kind of flipping that script and being able to have, you know, those conversations and not just make it a be all end all of, oh, just take this. Otherwise, I don't, I can't help you. Right. Yeah. I look at it like a, you're bringing two stories together. You're bringing two storylines together. Right. And so you are an expert in how your body feels. You're the world's expert in that. Nobody else knows better than you than how your body feels. Right. So you're the world's expert at that. So the patient comes and you've got your symptoms, essentially, your description of how you feel. And I don't know any, I can't, I cannot possibly improve on the accuracy and the information you're going to give me about that. And then I take what I know, medically speaking, to try to make sense of this over here for you, right? So it's kind of like you throw a bunch of jigsaw puzzles out, pieces out on the table, and I start rearranging them to a picture that makes sense. And I go, this makes sense. And then once we have common agreement on what the problem is, then I'll throw out a couple options that make sense for you to move forward, right? So we each have our areas of expertise, and you've got to respect the patient's area of expertise and understand that they're the expert in how they feel. You always have to come at it with an open mind. You always have to give them the benefit of the doubt, even if something sounds very strange, perhaps the first time in your career you've heard something like that, doesn't matter. Um, they're the expert in how they feel, and your job is to help them understand how they're feeling a little bit more and come together in a cohesive storyline that encompasses both fields of knowledge. That's kind of how I look at it when I'm talking to people. Yeah, no, I think that's great. And I think if more people saw that from 
medical system in general, especially right now with all we're going through, more people would feel, I know I would, would feel more open to, you know, go talk to someone and go see someone or build that relationship. You know, I kind of feel like that's the disconnect right now so much in what we're seeing. And I also feel like in a way it's kind of this collapse in so much of the um, traditional, you know, medicine world, because there is so much more now people wanting alternative, you know, holistic, whatever you want to call it, you know, types of, you know, things to take and try more and more people are starting to ask questions and want to know what else they can do. Like how you just said about, you know, cinnamon, like I didn't know that. And I'm sure anyone listening or watching it wrote that down, you know, like that's an awesome thing to know and, and learn, but like, why is that something that's not necessarily maybe being shared by everyone? If that's something that you know, works, you know, instead of having to take something, you know, maybe they don't want to take or they can't afford to take or whatever it may be. Right. And I think a lot of people feel like, well, it's because it's money. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it is. Yeah. Sometimes it is. There's obviously a lot of dollar signs around with pharma and influence over, you know, publication of medical journals and all that stuff. So that that's one answer to it. Um, Sometimes it's just, uh, conservative nature of medicine you know the 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 medical schools medical establishment by its nature tends to be more conservative um they they tend to not want to jump on every bandwagon right so that's not necessarily bad again like think about it if you went to a surgeon right let's say you needed neck surgery right you've got your surgeons who are more aggressive and more conservative Right? And the more conservative surgeon is going to say, you know, not every situation needs neck surgery, ma'am. Let's just give it some time. I, I really don't see this in your best interest. I, I really can't vouch for surgery right now for you. Let's just sit tight on this. Right. And, um, you know, in general, the medical establishment tends to be more on this conservative side where it's like, oh, some new thing came out is pr- supposedly great and supposedly cures this and that. And we would kind of take a like, well, let's wait and see and let's subject it to some more information and some more scrutiny and scientific process and data, et cetera, et cetera. That's kind of where we stand. Now, the benefit is that is that we don't ideally snap around and jump on every bandwagon and we don't get accused of, you know, selling snake oil and, you know, hucksterism and all of that, right? That's the benefit of this viewpoint. But the downside of this viewpoint is it ignores a lot of things that are cutting edge, let's say, that are outside the box, outside the paradigm, and stuff that's, in fact, great can't be acknowledged as great until 10 years later by this slow-moving conservative establishment, let's just say. So if you're trying to stay out in front and really help people, such as chronic fatigue, COVID long haul, these types of things, this is kind of out front. The medical establishment traditionally won't have too much to offer. And so that's where it's incumbent on the individual practitioner, as I endeavor to do best I can, to swim out of the current a little bit and try to bring the best of, of both sides of it to people, which is necessary. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and like you said earlier, when we were talking like, you know, you know, ivermectin works for most. So it's something that, you know, you work with and different things and different modalities for, you know, COVID long haul and and COVID patients and things of that nature. And I think, you know, to your point, what you're saying that absolutely makes sense to me. I think where a lot of people, one of people I've spoken to that um, agree with that, but then also will kind of play the, you know, um, devil's advocate, I guess, if you will, is like, oh, okay, well, we see that, but that yet they did jump on the bandwagon of, you know, this whole vaccine and, you know, and now made this the only be all end all and the savior and all these things. And I think that's where a lot of people, yes. to be honest, are waking up and questioning because it's like, okay, there's so many things you won't jump on. And there's so much you won't put in front of us because you haven't had that 10 years. You haven't had this, you know, we haven't had the vax for what, more than a year, you know, and, and somehow right. it's been endorsed by everyone. Right. of like, no, this is the, <laughs> you know, the, I mean, that's really the, to me, that's where it's like the disconnect is so much, right. like, what scratching my head, you know, right. 
You're right. You know, I had to chuckle a little bit inwardly. There have been some questions about the vaccine and um, fertility and effects on menstrual cycles, which are understandable, right? And so there were some, these quotes from some, you know, establishment, you know, OBGYNs are like, well, we're absolutely sure it does not affect fertility at all. You know, you're just like, how can you possibly know? Like one year's gone by. How can you possibly That's know? That's my point. Like, how could you possibly We barely know? even had a chance to get one life cycle of nine months of pregnancy in with this deal. Like, how can you possibly be so dogmatically sure that this thing will not by any means affect fertility? I was like, overreach, you know? So- it's true, yeah. you know, and I think, and I think that's yeah. where people are really starting to like question all of this because it's like, okay, we are so sure on everything. There's no way everything's, no. you know, conspiracy. And then we know too, like now yeah. so much is being changed. Like I was saying to my husband the other day, like by the day, like, you know, in articles or myocarditis is popping up more, all these things are happening, you know, that we know are most likely relating to that, you know, and, 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 right. you know, a year ago, if you would ask those questions, you were banned off your platform, you know, I mean, it's kind right. of wild when you, when you look at the difference, it's like, well, where are we going to be next year? You know what I mean? Like it's, 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 right. so, you know, I think like you saying, like speaking to that holistic space and being able to, in your own practice, of course, and other doctors too, starting to kind of step out in front and say, you know what? Okay. I get it. And that may work for some things, but I'm going to find other ways to do things as well. And, and actually give them as options and not have, you know, a one-stop shop for people. Yes. Yeah. It's important. Yeah, yeah deserve, absolutely. And I appreciate, you know, your, your honesty, because I understand, of course, like, I'm sure it's hard for you too, coming that you came from, you know, that medical system and that way of, you know, training, essentially, even though, of course, you have, you know, your own beliefs and the own things that you do in your own space. I'm sure it's also hard for you to come from that and then see all that going on and being like, what's happening, you know, like, you know, I can only imagine for you as the individual, just, you know, being in that, that it's got to be a little bit confusing and and I'm sure challenging because of you know your background and then all the way you also do things with your practice yeah yeah it can be very challenging you know I worked for a hospital here locally for about 11 years and then I branched off to launch my own practice kind of exactly for these same reasons because my pre-commitment has always been to the patient to do my best to help them and I was just branching out in so many directions I wasn't fitting in the nice tidy box that they wanted to pay me for anymore I was like we parted on good terms but I said you know what I got to start my own practice because otherwise I just won't be able to bring to bear my best case patient care experience I can visualize it I can see it I can taste it I just can't do it in this box right now it's just so confining I got to bust loose you know and my patients are gonna gonna love it too they're gonna get more out of me they're gonna allow get me at my best essentially right so thankfully i gave that up and it was kind of strange timing out because this was right before COVID. i literally launched my solo practice no other doctors no fancy anything supporting me just me doing my thing right this was like february that's crazy that you were saying like you literally left the you know hospital and essentially that part of the industry and started your own feeling called like to get out of that box to start to be able to do the things you were already feeling called to do right before kind of yes. all the craziness happened with 2020. Yes, exactly. It was just right a month or two before everybody said, all right, we got to flatten the curve. Here go the lockdowns. Here goes the shutdowns, like all of this, right? And in one sense, I thought, oh my gosh, bad timing, you know, why gosh, right? But in another sense, it was like a silver lining, you know, of, of uh, great timing where my 
expertise was called on more than ever. And I felt more engaged. Honestly, I felt more engaged as a doctor this last year. I've made more impact since COVID than I've ever had before. Literally keeping people out of the hospital, taking people who were in the hospital, bringing them out, giving hope, answering questions like all this. I've had the most medical impact, you know, over the last year or two. It's, It's been very gratifying. But to your point about, you know, weighing my own interest in health and wellness and awakening and spirituality and integrative versus my traditional background, it's been challenging and sometimes i've had to be a bit of a pioneer and trailblazer but i'm staying true to myself in doing that right and i think you know as you are any successful person you got to stay true to yourself to bring out that best of you that you're trying to present to the world and that's where your greatest satisfaction is that's where your greatest impact and efficacy is as well and people can see that so that's that's what i'm endeavoring to do now it feels good although it's difficult at times it always feels good to bring bring it together and know i'm i'm being my best self as a doctor I love that. That's awesome. And obviously, you know, God and everything called you to that, you know, in that timing, I'm sure there was no coincidences. I'm sure when it happened, like you said, it was crazy because you were like, oh my gosh, what insane timing, a lot of things happening, but like, I'm sure, you know, in such a higher purpose, it was for a reason because of everything that was happening, because you weren't going to see eye to eye and you weren't going to be, you know, in that space. And so you were able, like you said, to actually help people and help people get better and take them out of the hospitals. And I mean, so that's, that's amazing. I mean, so incredible. I love you, what you've gotten to share with your journey. Thank you so much for being so honest and vulnerable about, you know, your own story and, and being a doctor and everything that's kind of going on in the medical system. I feel like it's so needed right now and so many of us are afraid to have these types of conversations and like society and the collective need this so badly you know and need to know that like there are people in the medical system who you know want to fix things that want that are awakening to so much of this seeing this for themselves and are starting to you know question and how can we do things differently and all these things so I just think it's amazing what you're doing and I really appreciate your story and how you mentioned about the cinnamon real quick because I have to totally ask for myself and my audience are there any other quick little tips that you could share like how cool the cinnamon insulin like other things people could kind of you know write down or having their back pocket of like, okay, this does this, or this is good for that. Or, you know what I mean? Just quick tips, nothing crazy. And then we'll wrap this up. Oh yeah, no problem. Yeah. Let's think of a couple of solid ones for you guys. So um, as regards the immune system, right? So as regards the immune system, like aged garlic, for example, uh, mushroom extracts, one of my favorites called ABM mushroom. If I'll hit you with a quick tip on the immune system, ABM mushroom, you can look this up, stands for Agaricus blazii merrill, okay, named after a couple of people who founded this thing. But this is an amazing backstory. They actually discovered this mushroom in Brazil, okay, up in the forests uh, of Brazil. And the locals had, uh, you know, long lifespans and health and kind of a reputation for this little health and wellness oasis up there. And the key was they were harvesting these mushrooms, eating them every day. And it was initially, as I understand, discovered and researched really heavily by the Japanese. They're very into medicinal mushrooms. Okay. Side note, it's so advanced in Japan, the scientific study of mushrooms, that they use a lot of mushrooms actually as cancer chemotherapy. Okay. Um, and fully have developed official medications and regimens all around medicinal mushrooms because they are so potent for the immune system. Well, they found this ABM mushroom, took it back to Japan, started studying against the best known mushrooms like shiitake and reiki and all these other types of mushrooms. And uh, it outperformed them all. It was head and shoulders above their performance and how it stimulated the immune system, exact levels of molecules that rose, exact 
you know, amounts of cells in the immune system per liter of blood that was active, like all of the scientific paradigms um, and metrics, it was way, way above it. So ABM mushroom is my secret weapon for immune system strength. Understanding also that a strong immune system is an anti-cancer immune system. People don't always understand that. It's not just anti-flu, anti-sniffles, you know, anti-COVID, it's anti-cancer because your body's creating cancerous cells every single day. If you get cancer when you're 75, it's not just like at 74, you had no cancer at 75, cancer just hits you. That's not what happened. Your body's unfortunately creating cancer cells all day, every day as a byproduct of just growth and metabolism. Some cells go rogue, so to speak, considering that your body has a turnover of about 300 billion cells every day right? If you go to sleep and you wake up the next day in 24 hour period of time, your body's had a cellular turnover about 300 billion new cells, right? So you add that up over years and decades, there are always some cancerous mutated cells uh, taking form, but your body, your immune system does surveillance to keep those under wrap. Okay. So a strong immune system is an anti-cancer immune system and ABM therefore has all kinds of great uh, influence about immune system, cancer, things like that. So that's my heavy hitter for immune system. Cinnamon's awesome for blood sugar, um, you know, athletic performance and things. There's a bunch about that. Let's just say energy and athletic performance, but creatine is phenomenal, for example, um, for energy, athletic performance, actually also good for the brain. So you can look up like creatine and Parkinson's, for example, and uh, helps prevent neurodegenerative changes in the brain. And my last one, my quick hitter of all, my probably my biggest, most potent, I'll actually give you with two more, but one of them would be fish oil. Omega-3 fatty acids, unbelievable. Every human being should be on fish oil or some form of omega-3s every single day because of all that they do from the brain to creating energy to lipids uh, and everything else. And my other heavy hitter is melatonin. Melatonin is fascinating. Um, It's a hormone, as you know, people take it to promote sleep, but it does a lot of other things besides sleep. In fact, if your audience wanted to look at non-sleep benefits of melatonin or something like that, you'll be amazed. First of all, it's a very potent antioxidant, okay? Second of all, it can cross into the brain. A lot of things can't go into the brain because of the blood-brain barrier. Melatonin can. So it's a potent antioxidant that can cross into the brain. It has potent anti-cancer properties, very potent anti-cancer properties, very potent immune-stimulating properties, and even has a role in energy creation down in the mitochondria of our cells. And so for that reason, considering that it's safe, inexpensive, readily available, Uh, it's one of my top suggestions for health and wellness. I take 10 milligrams of melatonin time release every night. I've been doing it for years, not because I have problems sleeping because it's so good for your health and wellness, along with my fish oil, along with my ABM mushrooms uh, and some cinnamon here there if I need it. So So awesome. Thank you for sharing that. I love that. It'll all be uh, in the show notes uh, for you guys that are you know, listening, maybe not writing it down or whatever. Um, and then Dr. Michael Turner, thank you so much for being here again and sharing your story and, and really educating people and sharing so much in the holistic space along with, you know, mindset and all the practices. So amazing. Um, tell us, of course, if someone wants to, you know, work with you, whether it be, you know, telemed or of course, you know, in person, if you have um, any socials or you know, your website, of course, I'll put everything in the show notes, but go ahead and share. So if they, you know, are listening, uh, they do want to, you know, write it down. And then of course they can look in the show notes well sure it's com would be the simplest way and that's my website so i try to have a lot of good information there for people i was a school teacher as i mentioned so i'm, I'm big on education and empowerment so that'd be the way to get in touch with me i'd be happy to help any way i can
Awesome. Well, that'll be in the show notes, Dr. Michael Turner. Thank you so much. And thank you. I love that. Yes. Education and empowerment. So much more of that in the medical system, please. <laughs> and what's to come. Really appreciate you being here and sharing your story and your own awakening journey within this. And anyone who's listening, I hope this awakened something within you, activated something in you and really empowered you as Dr. Michael Turner said. So thank you so much, guys. Love, light, style, and blessings.